0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, standing at the ready once again to fight anew for our liberties, our life, our property, and everything that matters is on the line. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here in the house for yet another strategy session. What do we do? Where are we? It is the 14th of June, Flag Day. What does the flag mean to you in the era we live in? It's not a loaded question. For real, what does it mean to you based on what has happened to our country? I understand America is more than the American government. But still, what does it mean to you in the era we live in? Something for you to think about. Now, what's interesting about June 14th, everyone has heard of January 6th. But nobody has heard of June 14th. Well, that's the day that five years ago, a Bernie Sanders supporter went with the intention of killing probably at least two dozen Republican House members. He asked one member, is this the Republican baseball game? You know, they have this kind of exhibition game every year between the congressional Republicans and Democrats, so they have practice sessions. It was out in northern Virginia. They're out in a field. And he wanted to know which one was the GOP one who went out and started shooting, severely injured uh, Steve Scalise. And it was only because of Steve Scalise, because he was a leadership member, that they actually had security there. Um, If not for that, they probably wouldn't have had any security. And these members, a lot of them who often carry in their home, can't carry in D.C. And they would have all been mowed down. And that was straight up political ideology. Straight up. Okay, we don't hear about it. We never heard anything about it. Nobody knows about it. And Republicans themselves will not talk about it today. And I think that is reflective of everything going on. The biggest issues of our time, Republicans will never even give it lip service. And by far, the biggest issue of our time right now is that today and tomorrow, which is Wednesday, The FDA's vaccine advisory yada 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 committee, okay, they are working on authorizing Pfizer and Moderna's poison for babies as young as six months after everything they know about its negative efficacy and after everything they know about the harm that it does short-term and mid-term and long-term, we could only imagine. I want to discuss with you today just in some detail the degree of fraud that is in their briefing documents in plain sight. Plain sight. And it just doesn't matter. And how scary that is that they could foist upon us a biological product and this is the new paradigm. There's no going back from this. Two weeks from now, they're actually meeting on a new framework to basically say that anything for COVID variants, they don't even need human trials anymore. Now, not that it would change much from what they've already done when you see the fraud they do and the trials they do uh, purport to conduct, but there is quite literally nothing we could come out with, no piece of information that will make Republicans act on it. But first, today's sponsor is Lightstream. At a time as such that we're living in, so many people cannot afford basic goods and services, and they go into debt, and they have multiple credit cards with very high uh, rates. Sometimes it's really uh, uh, 20, 25% APR that you're going to have to be paying back. The good news is that with Lightstream, you could bundle all of your credit card debt into one monthly payment with a lower fixed interest rate that you can lock in right now, especially if you have good credit. You shouldn't have to pay 20, 25%. You could lower your interest rate, consolidate into one so you don't have to worry about missing payments, automatic every month, Lightstream, boom, they take care of what you need. They take care of it. With their credit card consolidation loan, rates start at as low as 5.72% APR with auto pay for those with excellent credit, it's really that simple. So just my listeners, if you apply now to get a special interest rate discount, you can save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Daniel. That's L-I-G-H-T, dot slash Daniel. Subject to credit approval, obviously, but rates, again, range from 5.72 APR up to 19.99%. It includes a 0.5% auto pay discount. Okay, so you get a discount. If you, if you have excellent credit, credit scores, you get it that automatic discount with auto pay. Terms and conditions obviously apply. Offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Daniel for more info. So I want to start with Moderna. Okay, it's kind of a, you know, th- they're both doing it. Moderna is doing their under 17 all in one. But there's like four different cohorts. And then Pfizer already had that approved for a while. They're doing um, six months to four year olds, and even that has two sub cohorts. You know, six months to two years, and two years to through or up until five years. And this is all in plain sight. But I guarantee you, your stupid doctor has no idea of what I'm about to say. It's not privileged information. It's not hearsay. It's not a rumor. It's reading their own documents. But the thing is, it's not just their documents. It's after two years, or in the case of the vaccines, I guess, a year and a half of learned experience, as well as numerous other studies that jive with the concerns and the red flags that we're raising about their own data, which, as we know from Brooke Jackson, It's straight up fabricated anyway. But we're going to show how even their own data shows negative efficacy and this thing is dangerous as anything. And then the other stuff they have in there reflects straight up fraud or it just can't be used. Yet not only will it be used, but it will be put on babies starting soon. So again, first off, just before we get into anything, before we get into anything, you have to recognize most kids already had the virus. It was 74% as of February. So it's got to be a lot more now because of how prolific Omicron was. The vaccine is for a, an extinct variant that will never exist ever again. Dr. Paul Offit, one of the committee members, the inventor of rotavirus, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia guy, big vaccinologist, he admits that there's a concern of original antigenic sin, negative efficacy, that when you when, when you uh, vaccinate for a sh- uh, original strain against ones that are here now, it will actually cause your body to respond improperly, worse than someone who's just you know naive to to the vaccine. So much so that in two weeks from now, the committee is meeting to discuss J- June 28th a new framework for the variants basically premised on the admission that it doesn't work for these variants. Not that it really worked originally either, but certainly for what's there now. But they're doing the babies on the original shot before that. Because if they have that meeting, then they, you know, oh, we need new vaccines here, Pfizer, Moderna. You could do whatever you want to shove on us new variant concoctions. Oh, now we're approving babies for the old variant that we just said doesn't work. So that's why they're doing it now But they already have the meeting scheduled on the new variants, new framework in two weeks from now. Kids were never at a meaningful level of of risk, as we well know. Even the few kids that supposedly died, we now find out in the UK, the majority of them, it was false. They did not die from COVID. And then among the ones that did, almost every one of them was either a preemie baby or very sick, very identifiable population. So you certainly wouldn't apply that to everyone else. It violates the Nuremberg Code. Um... We literally have millions upon millions of recorded um, events from either the WHO or uh, the UK's yellow card system, our Vera system, the EU's uh, pharmacovigilance system, and hundreds of studies showing every malady under the sun is created. Doesn't matter. We have the negative efficacy, Justin Trudeau, okay? Justin Trudeau and Javier Becerra. The HHS Secretary of America and the Prime Minister of Canada got COVID twice after having had the shot. So it prevents you from ever getting natural immunity. And you're going to push this on babies. So just the premise, before you even embark on a trial and fabricate the trial, just the premise of pursuing a clinical trial of this concoction for this pathogen on these kids is the worst violation of Nuremberg since Joseph Mengele. And Republicans have nothing to say. By the way, just so you know, Republicans in the Senate Armed Services Committee today, I mean, both parties, they're marking up this year's FY 2023 NDAA, National Defense Authorization Act. That's the big bill that they've passed. You know, it's the only bill that they've passed consecutively, I believe, since World War II or almost since World War II every year. It's considered a must-pass bill authorizing all military programs. And this is really where you delve into what needs to be fixed, what are the problems in the military. And from what I can see so far, I put in a word to one Senate office to raise awareness to this, there is not a single amendment being proposed by Republicans to even deal with the mandates of this poison in the military. So that's where their mind is. But there's this individual named Toby Rogers... He has a substack called Utopian. I don't know his background, but he's absolutely brilliant. And he has a piece taking apart both Moderna and Pfizer. I'm going to use his piece for Moderna and just kind of my general observations for Pfizer. So he starts off noting this 190 page document the FDA dropped just 48 hours before um before the meeting so you know these members are not are not going to read it and not going to really go through it and right off the bat he says that one of the ways that Moderna and the FDA rig the game is they they add endless layers of complexity to hide how bad the data really is so you have to do a lot of tabulations right as he rightfully says based on the way we typically divide up uh pharmaceutical products they should have had four separate documents. Moderna in adolescents 12 to 17, Moderna in kids 6 to 11, Moderna in kids 2 to 5, and Moderna in kids 6 months to 23 months. Looked at individually, the shot fails in each of the four groups. But lumping them together creates noise that makes it kind of hard to sift through. And it was a brilliant observation because that if you look at the document, it's so hard, there's tables for each different one, and you never know, okay... At this point, when they talk about adverse events, are they talking about the, the adolescents? Are they talking about the babies, the toddlers? It's so hard. So that's one game that they that they play. So they spread it across five different tables, four age groups. So you have twenty adverse event tables all in one. So you have to really, you can't eyeball it. You have to sit with it. So and 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 Toby and some of these other guys. Uh, Jessica Rose, I don't want to leave anyone out, but they've done tremendous work on this, and I'm just working off of their shoulders. So one of the games they play is that off the bat, there's, there's no... So off the bat with all this stuff, there's no benefit to death, there's no benefit to hospitalizations, and we really know there's negative efficacy to getting COVID. the shots so what they started doing is what's called immunobridging and what that means is you do a clinical trial but the main endpoint that you advertise is not a clinical outcome like did you get it how bad was it did you die hospitalized it's immunobridging where they do serology tests to see what level of antibodies you got and as you well know antibodies are, are a meaningless thing Okay, it's a meaningless uh, point because all these people have tons of antibodies, right? And they get COVID and, and we see seriously too. And they die from it. Okay, if you don't measure the B cell, T cell stimulation and many other things, you're not getting anything. And in fact, these are cheap superficial antibodies. And in fact, the fact that they're so high, we see... Creates the autoantibodies, the autoimmune, the inflammation, and all the problems, they're actually not good. So we've never done this before. It violates every protocol of clinical trials, but that's what they're doing. Okay? They measure it by immunobridging. Straight up junk science. Truly disgusting. In fact, you know, at the April meeting, the last meeting of this committee, Eric Rubin, who's on the committee, he's editor of the New England Journal of Medicine. He said, "We know that we know what kind of antibody response can be generated with the shots. We just don't don't know if it works." So they conduct a trial and they say, "Oh, uh, this number of people had this amount of antibodies." What? Huh? And pursuant to that, you're going to put it in babies. Also, it's important to keep in mind there's an Italian study published in the Frontiers in Immunology they actually concluded that evaluation of vaccine-induced immunity should also include quantification of AG-specific T-cells. And they said, you can't rely on this because it doesn't tell you anything. And they found, especially in immunocompromised, they measured antibodies and they got seriously ill from the virus. It didn't do anything for them. So right off the bat, that's the game they play. So first, Moderna claims that the sample size for each of the four subgroups of children is about 3,000 people. Okay, that, that, that's decent. Nothing like we typically do for a new vaccine on children that's already been proven to be dangerous. When you have multiple safety signals, you'll want tens of thousands of people, but okay. So 3,000 people. But then when it came to looking at antibodies in the blood... Moderna threw out 90% of the sample and only used 300 kids. No explanation was given for the criteria of what they used. So you have a trial, a clinical trial, but then the outcome you're mainly focused on is the serology part, and that you're only looking at 10%. You you cherry-pick 300. Interesting. Now, we know that up to 30% of kids have no antibody response at all from the COVID shots. So... Interesting, they they did that. So right away, that's straight up fraud. Second sleight of hand is that on page 26, they say no placebo recipients were included in the immunogenicity subset. There is no placebo. So they call it a randomized controlled trial. There's no placebo. There's no placebo. Now you might ask, so then how did they compare it? Right, where did they get the control group from? Okay, this number produced antibodies uh, after we gave the shots. Well, who didn't? What's a placebo? They compared it to antibody levels of three hundred adults age eighteen to twenty five from Moderna's old adult trial. They random from a different time, different variants, different era. <laughs> That's what they pulled out. So he points out there's a few problems. Number one, the Moderna study only measured antibody levels two months after the second dose, okay? But we know that after that, it eventually goes negative. Second problem is that at the April 6th meeting, the FDA's expert committee noted that it doesn't correlate to protection. We already mentioned that. Okay, so he does have the Eric Rubin quote in here. And then the third problem is it was, this, their control group is from 2021 with a different strain. Can you imagine that degree of fraud? Imagine that degree of fraud. Okay? And by the way, by the way, Pfizer did the same thing. This we're talking about is Moderna. Pfizer did the same thing with their kids. They had a sample size of 4,500 or so, but the serum tests they only did on 82 children aged 6 to 23 and 143 aged 2 to 4, so that's just like 5% of the sample. Cherry picked it, random, and the control group they took from their adult sample of 16 to 25 from their previous trial. They did the same, so it's the same thing parallel, the same fraud that they both did. Okay? Now... I'm just going to jump back and forth from the data I gathered from Pfizer to what Toby is doing with Moderna. I'm trying to put this all together, and I just want to share it with you. But before we get to the harms, okay, still on the efficacy side, I'm going to jump now to Pfizer. So Pfizer sensed that people are going to laugh out of this immunobridging, so they tried to say, oh, no, 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 we do see a degree of efficacy. You might have seen a headline that said it's 80% effective for not getting COVID right against getting COVID. I am going to show you the greatest fraud of all time. And it's right there in their tables. So if you go to the briefing document, um, if you go to the committee, you'll see the, the committee website, you'll see the documents and you'll find out that it's on page 39 tables, 19 and 20. Again, you have to tabulate it because table 19 is, the six month to two years, and table twenty is two to five, so we, you have to tabulate it. But you might think that, oh, so you know, many more, eighty percent more in the placebo got COVID versus the um, the trial group. But in fact, it's the opposite. If you add up in total. In total, 225 in the trial group got COVID and 150 in the placebo. If you break it down among the younger cohort, it was 98 to 58 trial versus placebo. Among two to five-year-olds, it was 127 versus 92 trial versus placebo. So actually, more of them got it. Now, there were about twice as many in the trial as the placebo— so they do have like an eighteen to twenty five percent degree efficacy in certain things, but but here's the deal. Here here here's the kicker. They break it down to one, two, three, four, five, five sub cohorts of when they got COVID. Okay, dose one to two within seven days of dose two, after seven days of dose two, before dose three. And then within seven days of dose three, and then after seven days of dose three. Okay? So in every single cohort, both and, and, and both age brackets, it's confusing. There were more people in the placebo in, in the in the trial group that got COVID than the placebo group. And in fact, there's clear negative efficacy between dose one and two, as we saw in real life. We knew this all the time that, that on, the, on the front end, um, suboptimal antibodies, negative efficacy. And then, so where did they get their 80% positive efficacy? They got it from a sample size of 10 So they picked off, again, the total number that got COVID were 375. Most of them in the trial group, not the placebo group. They ignored 365 out of 375 of the COVID cases, and they just focused on 10 within seven days of the third dose. So you have to go through three doses and all that severe adverse events. And here's the numbers. Here's the sample size. I'm not kidding you. Two cases of COVID and placebo in that cohort among the six months to two years in placebo, two in the placebo, one in the trial group. So they're making determinations based off of those numbers. And then five in the placebo and two in the trial among the two to five-year-olds. So you have negative efficacy until then. And then when they say seven days after dose three, but they don't tell you when the end game is. And really what happened was ultimately they were unblinded and all the placebo were vaccinated there afterwards, a few weeks later. So they picked the best window. We all know it has most of the time, negative efficacy, but it has a window of a small degree of positive efficacy. And then you pay for it with all the adverse events. So they, 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 they pulled that out. It's unbelievable. It's right there in the tables. And I'm going to have an article on that tomorrow so you could see it. it. It is truly unbelievable. But that actually tracks well with the Walgreens data. Shows that. Exactly this point. They picked that little sweet spot. Okay? Now, I want to, again, this is only Pfizer. I haven't seen this in Moderna. We're still talking about efficacy. Until now, every Pfizer and Moderna trial among young people did not show any critical illness, hospitalization, or death among young people. So you couldn't prove it at works because the placebo had zero and the trial had zero because it doesn't really harm them. Here they noted they didn't call critical, but they said there are serious cases. There were a total of eight serious cases in the Pfizer group. And if you look, this is on page 56. Six out of the eight. Six out of the eight were in the vaccinated. Two were in placebo. There was only one of the serious that was ever hospitalized, and that was a vaccinated one. Now, it's low powered, but I'll do back to them what they do to us with low power. That would show negative efficacy on critical illness. Straight up, straight up there. Straight up in their numbers. Page 56, right there. It is truly unbelievable. So that's what we see here with Pfizer's and and Moderna on negative efficacy. Okay? That's what we see. Now let's go to back to Toby's piece with Moderna And the harms. Okay. Now keep in mind, they unblinded people and they vaccinated everyone after 53 days on average for the median person. So what that means is you have no adverse events after that. You have no, you're flying blind. You literally destroyed your control group and they do it on purpose and they've been doing that and that's totally fine. For each category, Moderna spreads the adverse events across five different tables to increase the noise and hide the signal. But the bottom line is that the adverse events are off the charts. In adolescent populations, it's 99.2% reported at least one adverse event. Now, to be now you're going to say 99%. most of that, what's undergirding the 99% is um the just the soreness of the injection site. Okay, so you know let's. Throw that out. We could throw that out. But here is the kicker. And again, we're talking about Moderna here. I'll get to Pfizer in a minute. Moderna on the side effects, on the safety. 25.3% in Moderna's adolescent kids. 25.3%. That's a quarter. Reported adverse events, grade three or higher, grade three or higher. So the lowest level is grade three. Grade three is defined as basically you miss work or school. You have to be out of work or school. So here we have a population that mainly had COVID already for a variant that no longer exists. And the variant that does exist is very mild. And even the more serious variant for kids they never had more. That was the upper bounds of what they would get. They'd have to stay home from school for a day or two. Often they wouldn't even have to do that unless they tested and knew they had it and were kicked out of school. You are up front giving them something that a quarter of them experienced grade three or higher. 78.4% reported headache, 75% reported fatigue, 54% um, reported muscle aches, and 49% reported chills. Up front, you're giving them that. That's before we get to you know, talk about what's, what's serious and debilitating and death and obviously all that stuff that they're never going to report. That is Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I don't even know what to say. Grade three or higher. And again, when you it's not normal for a shot to do that much to that many people. If it's doing that, you know in the midterm and long term, which they don't study on purpose, it's doing a lot more, and we don't need to, you know, speculate. We know exactly what it's doing. So There you go. And then there's so much more. They rigged the myocarditis data. I'm not even going to go through it. So that's that. And then then there's Pfizer. Pfizer, if you look at the data that they put out, see, we can't really use Pfizer. They show um, 2.3. No, where is this? This is page 41 of the Pfizer document, table 21. They show 1.4% severe adverse event rate. Now, I know what you guys are thinking if you listen to the show until now. That would actually line up perfectly with multiple, multiple data points we're seeing across the world that hones in at around that level, that rate for adults of severe adverse events, about 1.5%. The problem is we can't really use it because you go to their placebo group, and the placebo experience 2.3% severe adverse event. What the hell are they putting in their placebo? And Jessica Rose has talked about this, that clearly their placebo is not placebo, and that's one way they screw up a whole number of things. Because there's one thing you could say you have a trial group and you have like minor adverse events in the placebo because you could say, you know, a certain amount of people every day don't feel well and it's just in their imagination and they're ascribing it to that or whatever. But if you're going to define a severe adverse event, you never, ever find more severe adverse events in a placebo for anything. I mean, even even a product that's broadly safe. It it just doesn't make sense. Okay? Okay. That would be one in 71 infants in the trial group. So the trial group is tra- probably true. The placebo is straight up fraudulent. They're clearly not giving them saline. What they are, we don't know. But um, this other, this Israeli woman, she has a website here, and I'm trying to dig this out. It's like It's called RT, but she has it in English. It's an English translation. She offers it in English here. RT. It's a whole Israeli uh, URL. And they found... Where is this? They found... She found over 50, I think 51 cases of extreme adverse events. She was able to dig out from the paper despite what they say if you if you actually look at all of the adverse events, you will find in, in in their document you know just individual 58 58 cases of life-threatening side effects in infants under three no I'm sorry I'm sorry she found that it's rtmag.co.il rtmag it's an Israeli website it's from theirs. You might be asking, how did, how did kids get the shots? It's not authorized yet for kids under three. So let me, let me make it clear. She didn't glean it out from their trial document. It's from theirs. So either kids got it anyway, somehow, or those are the trial participants reflected in theirs. Okay, so they claim, oh, there is no life-threatening uh, uh adverse events she found 58 reported in vares okay now it doesn't prove they're part of the clinical trial but something's funny with that um but there are a couple of examples that are given in their document this is the Pfizer document. Convulsions were reported at a similar instance in the BNT and placebo groups. Well, there were four in the BNT and one in placebo. These include two events of seizures. I'll go through all that. And this is pretty bad. This doesn't sound normal. Kids that age shouldn't be getting that. And again, the placebo is screwed up. So that's how they screwed up the placebo. The placebo is a complete lie. And another interesting thing, um, they have gastroenteritis, viral gastroenteritis. Do you know, there's a study out from, where is this? It's in my stack of stuff here, I have so many studies here, um, Much of the control over the coronavirus disease pandemic has been achieved by mass vaccination against SARS-CoV-2. However, with passing time, data regarding adverse events associated with the mRNA vaccines have become clearer. Vaccines are safe in general, and the benefits outweigh the risks of adverse events. You know, they have to throw that in to get it published. But they note, they they have documented cases of post-vaccination acute diverticulitis and colon micro-perforation following Moderna booster shots. Vaccine recipients should be educated on vaccine-associated gastrointestinal adverse events in order to reduce morbidity and mortality. We also recommend that vaccine recipients with pre-existing GI disorders should be carefully monitored. Really? So many people have GI issues. Were they warned about it? Did a single doctor warn them? No. So it's interesting there's a study on that, and it does appear in this this briefing document of Pfizer's trial. So very, very interesting. 61% of the infants experienced and reported a reaction within seven days. But then the problem is, they'll throw back you 58% of placebo. Again, what does that mean? Now, you might say, well, they injected them with a needle. Even if it was saline, maybe the needle just means like the irritation from the arm. But the problem is they say they, – they divide it up. They say injection site, and then they say systemic. As Jessica Rose writes, she's very funny – Last time I checked, systemic meant everywhere, right? It seems that, no, they checked the injection site reaction and those rates were about half the systemic rates. So again, you have systemic adverse reactions up the wazoo in the trial group, straight up, straight up, negative efficacy and tons of adverse events. The only way of saving them is by saying it's roughly on par with the amount of adverse events in the placebo. But the problem is where do those systemic and then severe adverse events happen in placebo? And the answer is quite evident. The placebo is fraudulent in some way, in many ways. Again, we don't need this. The real world experience is this thing has killed several hundred thousand people in the United States, severely or long-term injured several million in the United States, short-term injured tens of millions of people, and has negative efficacy. That's what we see. So it's just a matter of connecting the dots to find the ways they fraud, you know they, they fabricated the trials to comport with this reality, but that's what it is. By the way, you know, we, we talk a lot today about the um, mRNA virus vaccines, but just know that the adenovirus vector DNA shots are just as dangerous. Don't focus just on the mRNA. This guy, Walter Dorfler of the Institute of Genetics and University of Cologne. I mean, this guy is really a top guy if you look up his bio. Top scientist. He published last year uh, a paper, and he noted, I mean, you want to talk about a Nuremberg violation. Adenovirus vector-based vaccines can lead to the integration of adenovirus DNA at unknown frequency and with unpredictable um, epigenic consequences. It is conceivable that epigenetic effects might be noticed only years after vaccination. The human population presently partakes in the exposure to foreign DNA in a huge experiment. After the completion of worldwide vaccinations, a post-vaccination Sentinel program should be set up to monitor the exacerbation of unexpected possible novel human ailments in vaccinated individuals. In other words, we're lab rats. Vaccinate the world and then afterwards set up set up a post-vaccination monitoring program. Literally, Joseph Mengele, this is literally a violation of Nuremberg. Straight up. Yeah, the DNA could screw up your DNA, no problem. And again, this is not some random dude. This is a guy who's like one of the biggest experts on adenovirus, and the technology built around that, if you look up his bio. So, uh... Real nice. Real, real nice. One in 71 severe adverse events we are gleaning from Pfizer's shot. Real, real nice. So beautiful. And also, by the way, if you go to this guy, um, TerminalLX, com. I don't know if he's active duty or he got out of the military, but he reports on the military stuff. And I also got it from the source. The source is none other than Lieutenant Bashaw that we had last week. He was court- court-martialed. We had him on the show. He's court-martialed for uh, bringing a whistleblower complaint. So he pulled 25-year data comparison showing an 1100% increase in 2021 for service members in DOD who sustained vaccine-related injuries. So in other words, he established a baseline. This is an unbelievable thing. He pulled the DMED data. And people want to see, well, there's things in. They're claiming there's things wrong with it. But that would be okay the way you count ailments, right? There's the individual ailments that maybe you had blood clotting, pulmonary emboli, um, you know, uh, cancers, or strokes and heart attacks from neurological issues from the shots. But then there's the, the ICD code that's typed in for vaccine injury. It's generic. Vaccine and in injury. Okay? And this is for ambulatory. So you can't really screw around with this. Ambulatory. Outpatient. 25-year adverse events the baseline typically ranges around a few hundred to 500. Especially the previous five years had a very consistent baseline right around four or 500 of these codes a year. For 2021, it's up to, let me just get the raw data here, it's up to pretty close to 3,000. So that there's your 1,100% increase. And remember, the reason why this is so important is because they'll all, all be like, yeah, but Daniel, we've given the whole world these shots. The, the, the denominator is huge. Dude, in the military, between the newbies that have to come in and get all their shots and everything, for, the denominator is huge for the other shots too. They pretty much force them to get the, the flu vax. so just the flu shot alone. Is huge. And yeah, so it's 2,869. Whereas the other years is more like 4,500. Truly, truly astounding. Truly astounding. And there's other similar codes that, that, are, that are like that as well. So I just thought you guys should know this is what we're doing and now this is what we're doing to our children. This is the most disgusting thing that has ever occurred. It's just, it's just blood boiling. Your blood is either boiling or it's clotting. And Republicans do not care. Do you understand? We have the, the worst thing in American history. You never have something. You, we never had something. The, the, the virus and the therapeutics that were, you know, two bioweapons that were concocted that killed more people, destroyed the economy more, physical health, mental health, educational attainment, everything was destroyed because of this. And there is no promise from Republicans when they take back Congress to even hold a hearing on where the hell this came from, who was behind it, what did they know when they know it, when did they invent the vaccines, what did they know about them when they know it. Senator Ron Johnson is promising to do that, but without the support of leadership. So this is from Kyle Becker. He put this out today. We're still having that even now. A new version of this. Before we even know what went on here, we have monkeypox. Wuhan Laboratory found to have conducted novel monkeypox research one year before global outbreak. In a scientific article in Virologica Sinica, the official journal of the Chinese Society of Microbiology, the authors explained the process for artificially engineering a monkeypox virus. The journal article was submitted by researchers at the, the WI, whatever, the Wuhan Institute um the center for biosafety mega science um, and all sorts of other places it was published by professor g as you would imagine the the bat batwoman and um, they basically discuss the transformation associated recombination process for assembling large dna constructs such as monkeypox viruses they highlight the dual selection system of synthesizing DNA sequences. And uh, it sure sounds like what they're doing, what has been created, because we've never had an outbreak this large. So something was clearly done to it. Something was done to it. And by the way, folks, you know that this week, DOD, DOD actually put out a formal press release where they admitted. I mean, this is unbelievable. This is just from was it this week or last, last week, June 9th, fact sheet on WMD threat reduction efforts with Ukraine, Russia, and other former Soviet Union countries. Okay? We we were we were censored from social media for publicizing this. This is the DOD press release. The United States has also worked collaboratively collaboratively to improve Ukraine's biological safety security and disease surveillance for both human and animal health, providing support to 46 peaceful Ukrainian laboratories, health facilities, and disease diagnostic sites over the last two decades. Interesting. And Republicans not only don't care, but funded it to the tune of $56 billion, funded the Ukrainian racket without saying, hey, What are we hiding there? What are we doing there? Hey, we just had the world destroyed by one virus, and now we have a sudden other virus appear like it's never appeared before, and it was predicted by the same players and the same research before. Hey, do we want to kind of audit, like, who under the auspices of the United States government and funding is engaging in what sort of of gain-of-function research for which pathogens, when? Where, what, who knew what and when, they don't care. This is our lives on the line. It's unreal. These animals just don't care. They don't care about anything. And folks, now that you understand how they fabricated the efficacy of Of the stuff they say is effective now you could easily understand how they do it when they want to do a hip piece on ivermectin or one of these other things to say oh it's not effective it's the same thing you give me a methodology okay with a placebo and numbers and i'll give you any result you want so it's not even worth spending the time but because this is the biggest genocide You know, I'm not going to spend time on every trial, you know, both the stuff they're promoting, the stuff they're bashing every day because we have other things to cover. Um, You know, we got to get to other issues. But I think this is the most important issue because they're putting it on babies. They're destroying the control group. And that's what this is all about, is destroying the control group. The only demographic left unvarnished from this uh, bio-warfare They cannot allow it, which is why in every single trial, they vaccinated the placebo groups afterwards. They could not leave a control group. But by the way, the time that we did did have the control groups for a limited period of time, as you well know, we saw in the New England Journal of Medicine, the original adult trials showed actually slightly more all-cause mortality among the trial than the placebo group. So we do know that, and that is certainly happening. But, uh, I mean, this is where we are. And then, by the way, you know, speaking of a control group, they do this psychologically, societally, the same way they're declaring war on our bodies with the Pfizer weapons and the Moderna weapons. They're declaring war on our families, humanity, sexuality, with the Rainbow Jihad. And that's another issue where the GOP is out to lunch on. Oh, Daniel, uh, Pfizer is so popular. Uh, BLM is so popular. Um, open borders is popular. Pro-criminal is popular. Transgenderism is popular. What they're doing is they're, they're, they're also destroying a control group because they're grooming everyone. What happens when you groom people? There's a Pew poll from last week. They say 5% of young adults now identify with a gender other than what they were born with. That is insane. That is insane. If you look at their poll, people aged 18 to 29, okay? They say 2% say that they're trans, whatever that means, and 3% say non-binary. I don't even know what that means, honestly, the difference between that two cohorts, but between the two, it's 5.1%. I could only imagine the next generation, zero to 18, what that's going to look like. You go back to 30 to 49, my age group, it drops from 5.1 to 1.6. You go to people over 50, it's 0.3. You tell me that's natural. No, it's all grooming. But now we have Fox News Engaging in grooming and having a whole series on conveying from one to another. And this is the flagship of supposed conservatism. This, my friends, is what a controlled opposition looks like. It's not even a controlled opposition, it's just blatantly there. Where are all these phony conservatives and Republicans promising to boycott? To boycott everything. That is put out by Fox. But no, they all want to get on their, you know, they want to have their fame. And Fox is where it's at. We will never, ever solve our problems unless we destroy Fox News. Fox News is the biggest cancer on this country. Really is. By the way, uh, the Heritage Foundation came out with a study. And they found, as we well know, That puberty puberty blockers and hormones increase the use of suicide rates um, all over the place. You know, it's just as much as the Pfizer experiment, same thing. The use of puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones to treat what is now called gender dysphoria was developed in the Netherlands around 1990. Didn't make it into the U.S. until around 2010, taking off around 2015. Um... And comparing youth suicide rates in states where it is easier for minors to access puberty blockers and hormones to those in states where it's harder shows no difference before 2010 prior to those interventions. But after 2010, the youth suicide, suicide rates increased in states where it was easier for minors to get it relative to those where it's not with a dramatic spike around 2015. So you could track it. By 2020, there were 1.6 more suicides per 100,000 young people in states with easier access than those with harder access. Um, it's a lot of interesting points there if you want to check it out at the Heritage Foundation. So at least they're finally doing some good work after being irrelevant for a while. But we can't even get a party. I mean, you will never get McConnell to talk about this. You will never get them to do it. There is no promise to go after the grooming agenda, just like there's no problem to go after the Pfizer destruction. If you don't have candidates on these issues, it is meaningless. They are the issues of our time. And it all gets back to population control, if you think about it. I want you guys to think about 5%, and if you look at the velocity, that means it will easily be 10% the next generation. You are basically taking those many millions of people out of the game of procreating, right? (laughs) Because if you make them all messed up, they think they're messed up, they get themselves messed up, they castrate themselves. Notice how everything they're doing gets back to that. Everything they're doing destroys procreation, destroys the family, destroys relationships, destroys the natural order, natural law. And we only have one team on the field what are we going to do? What are we going to do to get another team on the field? Again, if you had, I'm just telling you a man can dream. If you had every voice that operates in my space, but has a greater audience than I do more money than I do more influence than I do that claims to be bothered by these things, which a lot of them do claim to be bothered by it. If they were to merely work together and recruit respectable independent new candidates that are neither republican nor democrat that speak to these kind of top five issues they would win the general election in most states without handing it to the democrats but this is where we are and by the way speaking of having nice things Uh, Governor DeSantis from Florida announced that he's going to use the state guard that he created as a landing place for those kicked out of the military. Just like I advised, I said every governor needs to do that. Um, We need our own state guards. So kudos to him. Every governor should be doing that and putting more money into it. But, you know, the GOP will sign off this week on the defense bill. After everything they've done to the military, the grooming, the anti-Christian stuff, the poisoning of our military, nothing. We'll just mark up the bill without any question, any amendments, any investigation of what's going on, because they don't care, and they never, ever will. And it's time we recognize that, folks. And on that sour note, but truthful note, folks, send this to all of your friends and relatives, everyone you know. This is information you're not going to hear elsewhere. Again, Follow me at RM Conservative on Twitter. You can subscribe anywhere to the show iTunes, Stitcher, Google, um, particularly iTunes. If you give us a five star rating with a comment, it's very, very helpful getting the news out. You can email me, Daniel Hurwitz at starchmail.com. Till tomorrow, God bless you all. Stay empowered, stay informed, and thank you for listening.